Hey, good morning. I want to begin with a scripture reading. Philippians chapter 3, picking up at verse 18. Many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. My beloved, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, we are wrapping up our TBH series, where we've been offering straightforward biblical responses to what millennials and members of Gen Z have told us are the most pressing issues of our time. And today, we'll close by addressing the issue of political polarization. Here in the United States, every indication is that we are deeply divided. And that division is often articulated in terms of politics, red or blue, left or right, Maddow or Hannity, Trump or Pelosi. And on one hand, there is nothing wrong with people being really passionate about politics. Engaged citizens are a healthy thing. Caring about policies, voicing your opinion is a good thing. But there's a world of difference between engaged and enraged, which is what it can feel like. There is a level of intensity and anger in our politics today that is unsettling to many of us. We no longer just disagree. No, we, we demonize. We no longer discuss. We, we scream in all caps in the comments section. We don't welcome someone else's viewpoint. Instead, we protest to keep them from ever stepping foot on campus. And we've turned everything into a gauge for trying to figure out which side of the political divide a person must be on. Do they live in the Heights? Probably a liberal. Not wearing a mask? Must be a conservative. You eat at Chick-fil-A? Are you one of those evangelical Trump supporters? What? No, I, I, but, I mean, I just appreciate spicy chicken and well-mannered teenagers. That's all. And a vote is no longer just a vote. It's, it's now this decision filled with deep moral consequences and eternal implications. Will you be on the right side of history? Will you choose good or will you choose evil? Will it be freedom or socialism, fascism or liberty, the Democrat or the Republican, both of whom, we're told, will probably ruin the world? There are many who are, who are bothered, tired, and turned off by the whole thing. If that's you, 
then I'd like to offer you a new way, one that is far more peaceful and hopeful and helpful. I'd like to invite you to see your role as a citizen in light of who Jesus is and what he promises. Now, I know that there are, there are those who immediately think, well, Matt, how can, how can bringing religion into the mix make this any better? Uh, isn't it Christians injecting their faith into politics that's part of the problem? Good point. Uh, look, I think there's a difference. There's a difference between those who have politicized their faith in Jesus and allowing the person and the promise of Jesus as a follower to influence how you engage in politics. And that difference is what I want to illustrate. And here's the thing. My promise to you is that when you embrace this, you will have what, what Paul calls in chapter 4, verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And I think that as we continue to deal with this pandemic, which is becoming political, and as we head toward November and another election, we could all use some otherworldly peace in our lives. Am I right? Now, before we dive too deep, just a quick primer on, on why it's like this. First, we are wired for God. Humans are designed to worship something as ultimate. And just become, because we're becoming more, more secular as a nation doesn't make us any less desirous of religion as a nation. We've just shifted those expectations and that passion away from faith and onto politics. And we are now expecting politics to do for us what we previously went to church or synagogue for, which helps explain why there's so much anger and intensity. It's because the stakes are so high. When we protect our politics, we're, we're no longer just protecting our view on a policy. No, we are now protecting our sense of meaning and peace and purpose. Second, we are more segmented, more, more tribal as a culture. We have far less in common with one another than we used to. At least that's what we think. We live in bubbles that keep us surrounded by people who largely think and act like us. For example, in 1983, everybody, liberal and conservative, watched the finale of MASH, 125 million people. So much so that at the end, there was a strain on sewer systems nationwide as everyone went to the bathroom at the same time. We don't share even the simplest of cultural touch points like that anymore, which makes it easier for us to argue and hate and demonize. Lastly, we are more influenced by media than ever before, and media knows how to make money. The news we watch, the social media platforms we love, they know that people will watch, click, and consume when they affirm our beliefs and confirm our fears. Uh, ben Sass, the Nebraska senator, quoted a senior producer at one of the top cable news networks who told him this, quote, we only do two kinds of stories, those that make people who love us love us more and those that make people who hate us hate us more. But here's the good news, and not the kind that you find on cable. There is a better way. You don't have to be caught up in the secular, tribal, commercial craziness that fuels our divide. Look back at Philippians 4. Paul is reminding these early Christians what it is that sets them apart. 
In chapter 3, he said that there were those whose, whose God is their belly, meaning the urge for things like, like power are ultimate for them, and that this urge will lead them to their shame. It will, it will let them down. But look at chapter 4. Here's what he says. He says, But you, Christian, stand firm thus in the Lord. My beloved, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice. That word is everything. Our joy, our deep happiness is not grounded in anything or anyone here. Our joy, which feeds our security, our identity, our worldview, is in the person and work of Jesus. That's it. And here's what that means for you as a citizen. It means you are free. Free to admit that your allegiance, your trust in politics and policies and human leaders, your hope in this whole thing has a very clear limit. You're free to lower your expectations just a bit, to dial down the rhetoric and ease off the intensity because you know that that while it's important, it is not and never will be ultimate. You will not allow it to affect your joy. You don't have to walk around thinking that this one election will determine our fate. No, you're free. You don't have to believe that unless you adopt one party's entire platform that you're a sellout. No, you're free. You don't have to buy the lie of the new legalism that says you have to care so much that you cry or else you're bad. No, you're free. If your candidate wins, you don't have to pray that they get everything right so that you're proven right. And if your your candidate loses, you don't have to walk around demonizing the winner and believing that all is lost. No, you're free. Your joy is secure in something greater. Look with me at chapter 3, this time at verse 20. In fact, let's, let's read this out loud together. Read this with me. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. If you're a forgiven follower of Jesus, then this place, this planet, this country even, is not your true home. Yes, we, we love it. We live in it, we want to protect and beautify it, but this, this is not it. No, we belong to God's kingdom, and our king, our leader, above any other, is Jesus. And that's an important reminder, because our true home and our real king should be the things that shape our views and inform our values. Jesus, uh, the, the whole of scripture really, spends a ton of time teaching what it is that matters to the king and how life under his kingdom works and what it means for us to make it known here. And belonging to that kingdom means embracing, adopting, discerning, and living those values, those values as our own. Think of it like this. If you're a follower of Jesus, then the kingdom of God becomes your one true party. It sets the agenda of your heart, the platform from which you make your daily decisions, including political ones. What matters to God should matter to you. And it should shape how you think, how you act, and even how you vote. And if you take this seriously, what you'll find is that as a Christian, you won't fit neatly into any earthly party. Why? Because they're derived from different kingdoms, they have different leaders, and they're fueled by different values. Our citizenship is in heaven, and our king is Jesus. 
And he teaches different things, things that don't fit neatly into either category. He teaches us to champion justice for the oppressed, care for the planet, generosity to the refugee, which sound kind of liberal. But, but then he also makes it clear that, for example, sexuality is best honored in marriage and meant for nurturing a family, which according to today's logic sounds archaic, oppressive, and pretty red state conservative. Anyone who tells you that people who take their faith seriously can only be red or blue are wrong. You can be a thinking, prayerful, faithful follower of Jesus and vote for a Democrat or Kansas hardcore for the Republicans. You're going to have to make concessions either way. You can even be a faithful Christian and secretly wish for monarchies to make a comeback. I think my wife would love nothing more than for the United States to become one giant episode of the crown. Listen to me. You are free to believe that thoughtful Christians, all trying to honor God's kingdom, can reasonably appear at different places on a political spectrum. Because no one earthly party has the corner on God's values. God is not a donkey or an elephant. No, he's the ringmaster of the whole show, and he can work in and through all rings of this messed up circus. Now, one of the things that, that makes politics in our country so tiring are not only the fact that different parties are demonizing one another, but that even within the parties, there are deep divides over what they stand for, over what the true mission is. It seems to change all the time within each party. Again, that's what makes seeing yourself as a follower of Jesus so freeing. Look again at Philippians. Paul gives us input on, on how best to navigate life. And listen to what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned, received, heard, and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, Keep your focus on the good things of God and learn from what you've admired in other believers. And let those things influence your life and your citizenship. That's it. And when you do, what you'll find is that the mission and mandate for this community, the community of faith, is simple and unchanging. You ready for it? Honor God and love your neighbor. In all things, seek that, pursue that, champion that. Which means you're free to ignore the latest purity test coming from the left or the right. Look, if, if as you seek to make decisions or form opinions, the first question you ask yourself is, what would Sean Hannity say? Or who did the Huffington Post endorse? You're doing it wrong. Seek to honor him with whatever decisions you make and aim to ensure the care and well-being of your neighbor in whatever side you have to take and opinion you form. Honor him, love your neighbor. And when you've done that, then no matter what the pundits say on CNN or what your friend from high school posts on Facebook, you can sleep sound at night knowing that you, you have done all that your God requires. Some time ago, my teenager, Ava, uh, she came to me asking if she could watch a really scary movie. And I told her, yeah, uh, but I get to choose. So we sat down to watch a classic, The Shining. 
So, so we're watching, and, and there are these moments where she's got her face covered, and she's scared out of her mind. But not me. Uh, one, because I, I don't get scared by movies, and two, I, I'd already seen it before. I knew how it ended, and knowing the ending changes the entire experience of a scary movie. I watched it knowing full well that Jack Nicholson's character freezes to death outside and that Wendy and Danny make it out alive. What? That's a spoiler? You've had like 40 years to see the movie. There's a time limit on these things. Here's my point. So much of what drives our political polarization is the fact that everyone is scared. They may not admit it or know it, but, but we look around at what's happening and we get scared. And that's, that fear drives us to jockey for power. We vie for control to try and secure a happy ending. But listen to me. We know the end. And it's good. Sure, it's going to get scary, and we should seek to fight the enemies and protect the innocent. We need to take this story seriously. But still, listen. We know the end. And that must, it has to shape our experience. And that's arguably the biggest point that Paul makes in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, listen to this. He says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is at hand. He is close to us now and he's coming soon. And that's the end. And when he comes back, he will stomp out all the evil that remains and he will establish a new world where we will live in total peace and utter joy and where there are no politics or pundits or political craziness. And this end is yours because Jesus died to forgive you and to reserve a spot for you. And he rose to show you his power so that there might be no doubt that he will deliver this ending. You know the end. And so you can walk around interpreting everything from a different perspective, seeing it all through another lens. Not the lens of, of power or panic, but the lens of peace. Because peace is what's waiting for us. Peace is the end for us. How might you watch the news if you knew it was all going to be okay? How might you interact with friends when discussing the pandemic and the politics of reopening if you knew it was going to be okay? What would you post on Facebook if you knew it was all going to be okay? Listen to me. It's all going to be okay. Peace. I'm not saying you can check out, but you know the ending. You can be happy, you can be hopeful, and you can invite others to be the same. The outcome is not in our hands. It is on the crucified and resurrected shoulders of Jesus. Are, are you tired of political polarization? Me too. And look, we can't change the fact that things are the way they are. But we do have a choice of whether or not we play this game. And people of faith, when it comes to politics, we don't have to play the same game. There's a better way. Take the vocation of citizen seriously. God gave it to you. But, but take it in light of who Jesus is and all that he promises. Our hope in the process has a limit. Our true party is not of this world. Our mandate is simple and steady. And our perspective 
is peace. One final thing. If you choose this path, you'll have some enemies. Some won't like that you play by different rules and are loyal to another world. That's okay. Jesus gives us a way to deal with those who reject and disagree with us. Just think of how he saved us, how he dealt with those who rejected him. He didn't fight to be believed or demand any power. No, he cared and he served and he spoke the truth to them. But he was okay with losing at their game in the name of love because he knew full well that he would rise victorious, having won the fight that mattered most. And so will we. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is, uh, this is a difficult topic. As a country, we are, we are so divided, and that division is most often manifested in our, our passion for politics. Father, for those who are tired of the anger and the vitriol and the demonization, may they embrace a new way. May they embrace a way um, taught to us by the Apostle Paul and uh, really modeled for us in Jesus where we can, we can be engaged in what's happening in the world but have our hope anchored in another kingdom. Help us to, to take our vocation as citizens seriously, but to do so with a perspective of peace, knowing what good government and good politics can do, but knowing very clearly what it can never do. And may the primary driver of every decision we make, every opinion we form, not be the latest purity test from whatever party exists on this earth, but may it come from your kingdom. Because your son Jesus Christ is our king. Amen.